You are listening to the Religica Theo Lab podcast in the Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement at Seattle University. Welcome back to another Religica podcast. Whitman Littlechild has led a life of experience with law, politics, and athletics. He served a five-year term from 1988 to 1993 in the Canadian Parliament as the first Treaty Indian member and has worked constantly to promote human rights, particularly in relation to Indigenous peoples. Take a listen. So in terms of you, if you can get back to being a... An elder, what do you have to do? Any preparations, or live in a certain way, or do what do you have to do to? Well, mostly it's it's doing uh, the ceremonies, you know, just mm-hmm. in the ceremonies, having meetings for people, you know, with the daily problems, meeting with government government officials, uh, you know, land rights and all this stuff. It's just people coming to you and uh, looking for answers. So we meet and try to settle disputes. Onondaga is the cap, considered the capital of, of the Confederacy, and that goes back into this. Long story of my title, you know, why I have this title, why it's different from others. So how do you see being a nation? How is that changing? You're talking about people getting language back, young people. You know, is it strengthening? Is it hot? You know, what's happening sort of spiritually? Uh, yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, it was just the scare of uh, losing our elders who, who were brought up with, you know, the language, you know, there's very few now. We just lost a woman who, uh, and like I say, up in Canada, there's Onondaga speakers. So there's the languages, there's Onondaga, Mohawk, all the languages are all spread out throughout the Confederacy. But we have one of the one of the speakers up there who just passed away, and that was helping with helping uh, the, the young teachers with the language. So that's a big issue. It's a big concern. The young people are stepping up, and now that we have a, a good form of, of writing, where you know, everybody's educated through the, through the public school system, just about you know, all around the stress culture, language, songs, dances, and trying to get that integrated into the school. So we're getting battles from as a state. One's just, they have their own curriculum, own standards, testing, all this. Stuff. How do we get our stuff in there to make good Haudenosaunee citizens? So do you think, you know, cultural identity is getting stronger, though? Or? I think it, it's, there's been some fights back in the 70s, and it's kind of here and there. But I think just the, the language itself is making the people stronger, or they have this writing system now that uh, makes it easier for those that can read it, write it. So it's coming good. It's yeah. coming good. It's really good. We've got some young speakers coming up, and that's what we're battling with is, is you know, Having, not having it in the house, in the houses like it was, how do we get that back into the into the houses where, where the kids might be going to school, learning the language, but coming home and not reinforced at home? Mm. And I think that's that gap is, is less than now. So we have adults that are understanding the, the language better through all the, all the uh, programs that we have. So all this funding that comes from the cigarettes, we have one small cigarette shop on the nation, and that provides for language, language classes, elder care, uh, housing, you know, and, uh, repair, security. We have a arena with a carpet and ice. I think its capacity is like, uh, I think it's 2,000 capacity, maybe 1,500. 
Uh, we have that uh, on the nation. Uh, did they do what? An arena? Ice, ice and hockey. Oh, ice hockey and uh, lacrosse. Okay. Oh, the carpets, the lacrosse. Yeah. We used to just play outside, and then it got more expensive as more teams came in. So it was hard if you get rained out. It was hard on the team. So we kind of pushed towards getting, uh, getting some kind of a inside arena. So we decided to uh, build our own. And we hosted the 2015 World Box Games. All right. It was uh, quite an event. And 12 to 13 nations came in. All over France, England, Japan, Australia, Canada, U.S. So are they all tri- tribal nations, or what does it mean? Well, these are these are national teams, you know, Canadian national team, uh-huh. U.S. national team. We had our own team. They were called nationals, you know. And I was part of that. They found in uh, founders of the league, you know, one of the. First players we started that back in the early eighties. Lacrosse, it's lacrosse. Yeah. So now, it, uh, so it became kind of political because now we were traveling to other countries on our own passport. We did our red card, what we call a red card, and that allowed us to go back and forth to Canada. And back in seventy-seven, they said we're going to have been invited to Geneva, and. So well, we need a we need our own uh, passport. Look at that. And it says, "Well, what's it look like?" Well, they got a U.S. got a Canadian passport. How could what, what speculations are in there? And said, "We'll make it, make it our own." Wow. So is that what you use when you travel now? So I use when I travel. Not a U.S. passport. Not a U.S. passport. How many how many tribal nations have? Well, well the, the whole lacrosse team was denied going to into uh, Japan a few years back uh, in 2010 because we wouldn't get, oh, in England, rather, we wouldn't accept our passport. But I've, I've traveled to France, Italy, Bolivia, Canada, here, says this is the fantasy document. So I can use this all, just about all around the world, as long as we get a visa, and that country accepts us. One more, yeah. But I can't use this going across the border in Canada. Huh. So, so you got a U.S. passport also? No, I just use a red card. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. But if you fly, you fly into Canada, you're supposed to have a passport. They don't accept this. How long have you had a passport? Well, the, the first ones they made was in 77. Okay. Oh, when, they, when they went to Geneva, they were invited to Geneva. So a whole delegation of uh, Canada, U.S., South American delegates went there mm-hmm. to speak on... Uh, they were invited to hear from the indigenous people of North America, North and South America. What do you think the indigenous people these days have to offer, you know, here in 2018 to the sort of fractured nature of especially U.S. culture? I think what we've always been told about is, is the environment. <laughs> you know, you gotta, we had this two-role agreement with the, with the Dutch in Albany, in that area at that time. We made this two-row belt, and we said, we'll, we'll travel down the river of life together, you and your boat, us in our canoe, and we'll pass laws against each other. You have your language, your culture, your ways, your songs, we have ours. We can travel on this river of life together without infringing our others, mm-hmm. each other's. So we made that agreement, and that's that two-row 
to warm up about. It's been kind of anytime we made a made a treaty with uh, whoever, mostly U.S. It was you know in that uh, in the spirit of that, saying that for the benefit of our people, we need to sit down and talk. And, and even though we were continually being coached and pushed back, uh, we always try to uh, do what we could for for the next generation. We've used that, you know, the Turo, and uh, now we, in our, you know, to to share, you know, share the lands. Everything. Uh, there's plenty of lands for everybody. So we sort of leaders back and made those agreements, and that's what we rely on is are those treaty treaty obligations. Filling in some things, I was wondering about just the importance of the, you know, the health of indigenous people for. You know, the rest of like mongrel society like me. <laughs> I mean, you know, what, why does it matter? What's important there, you think? As far as the health, you know, just, just with the climate change, you know, uh, of everything, you know, we've, it's part of, we heard it today about uh, people, you know, adapting and surviving, being able to stay as strong as they, they could, you know. You don't really worry about climate change until it affects you. Yeah. You know, and then it, you, if you're in, you're in that storm, and if, you know you're talking about winds that never recorded before. Something's changing, you know. So you're talking not only the health of indigenous people, but you're talking about the health of everybody. But sometimes it's indigenous people who are isolated that up in Alaska, Inuits, and that that are greatly impacted. Because it's changing quicker. It's more impact depending where you are. Yeah, it's totally true. Could you say a little bit about the the, the Maybe it's not matrilineal, but the, about the women choosing the tribal leaders. Yeah. I mean, that's that's rare. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's what we felt was left out when, when the U.S. government, you know, adapted some of our, our ways was leaving the, the voice of the women out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. you know, and then we talked about them being a democratic system, and it wasn't until early 1900s when women were able to vote. So how can you call yourself a democratic system if there's a happier population? Doesn't have to have a voice, right. you know, and even before that, it was, it was they give the, the black the black person that, that right to vote, and it, and it goes back in, into the history of that. You know, uh, this whole story of uh, the peacemaker, and so he met when all this war was going on. So there was this one woman that he met, and she would she would feed those men that these warriors are coming back and forth along this trail. And she would pretty much encourage them to keep that going. And he met her, and she tried to do away with him, and he, he outsmarted her. And in that process, she, she respected his power and his word and accepted that. So she said, at some time I'm going to call you when I get all of these other nations together. I want you to come because she was the first one to accept message of peace so after okay so then another part of the story is when all the nations got together and they come back form an onondaga and address the taradaho so taradaho was this evil person with a lot of power now, unless he accepted it it would, it would destroy it would never happen in this area so part of the uh Bartering, I guess, he just said, well, if, if, you know, if you accept this, and we did get him to here, says, Andaga would be the capital, and you would be in charge of bringing those. You would have that responsibility of bringing the nations here to Andaga. 
And so when he accepted, there was what they called Chikunsase, the first woman there, she came and the peacemaker asked her, you put the, you put the horns on these chiefs, on these leaders. It'll be your responsibility to take care of the families, the clans, you know, the foods, and make sure, bring life, you know, uh, to take care of all the families. And you'll be the one who will choose the leaders of your nation. And that's where that, that's where that started. Let me ask you, is there anything else you'd like to add, you know, to whatever people may be listening out here, and then I'll oh. take your leave. I think, uh, you know, it's how do you prepare for, for the kind of changes that we're, we're in for, you know? It all depending on where and how you're affected. How do you prepare yourself for 150-mile-hour winds, you know, tsunamis, the stuff that's happening, uh, the ice melting? I don't know if we're going to, whether man has contributed or not, it's happening. And I don't think you know, the world leaders are... Are, uh, addressing that enough. I always say that, you know, with all the things that are happening, I know like Puerto Rico and just stop by right now. You know, that's where all money should be going to, not to make a bigger planes and more and all that stuff, you know, bigger weapons. Bigger weapons I ain't going to solve the problems we're in for. Uh, we need to uh, figure a way how we how we're going to help these other people that, that lives and, you know, they're getting swept off the earth. Yeah. Rather than say, oh, uh, we need bigger weapons, and that'll solve the problem. I don't know what kind of thinking that is. That I think that that's what, that's a solution to what's going on, and we have to bring those leaders to task, saying that this isn't going to help our future. You've been listening to the Religica Theo Lab podcast in the Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement at Seattle University. To learn more about the Center's work and for resources to be used in local communities, visit us at seattleu.edu slash the center.